And hello, people of the internet. How's it going today? How you doing? I'm Billy Bones, and this is a walk through the mind. A moment where we can sit down, hang out, chit-chat, discuss a handful of ideas that have been bouncing around inside my head and see if we can't take those ideas for ourselves and go out and get the conversation started with friends, family, the people we meet on the street, or maybe we just get those gears turning with our own heads and see where it takes us. So there's nothing like starting a project that you know is going to take some time, a little bit more time than you'd prefer, but that's how the projects always seem to go. Let's throw the quick, easy ones. Those, those aren't projects. Those are chores. Chores are nice to complete. No, but these long, arduous projects. And then you throw in a little bit of artistic requirements. It needs to kind of have some pizzazz at the end of it. It's not just mudding over a hole in the wall. No. Something that's just a little bit more important to to someone, be it yourself or someone you know, or in my case, a client. And my client is my uncle, and the bane of my existence is his dining room table and chairs. Ugh! But it's almost over. It's almost done. I budgeted, expected probably about 40 hours worth of work. And when you chisel away at a project that large, you know, 40 hours in a work week seems like one thing, but 45 minutes to an hour and a half here, an hour there, two hours there, half an hour, 45 minutes, kind of eats away at all your free time, your little bits and pieces of free time. And I thought I knew what, what I was signing up for. I had an idea, but I didn't know as well as I thought I did. And so I sit here almost ready to bask in the glory of my education of something I'm never going to want to do again until the time comes and I do it again. Because I started my woodworking business for smaller projects, things that I could do with little bits and pieces of extra free time, not cooking up a whole 40 hours. Or in this case, what's looking like another, it's going to look like a total of maybe 50, 55 hours all into this project. And I could have done it quicker, could have done it faster, had I been just slightly more educated in using chemical-based paint strippers or all-natural orange-based paint stripper, however that one works, and gone through and removed all of the paint, lickety-split, taken care of it, and then, bam, been on my way to staining this. But alas, that can't happen. I gave my resume in the form of a single leaf, the worst-off leaf of the table, just to show what I could do, see what I could do about it. And I oversold myself. Did a bang-up job, really good job, actually, as I sit here patting myself on the back, of making that leaf look phenomenal in comparison to the original color and stain. But because it was just a leaf, who would have thought to use any chemical applicants to remove any of the pre-existing stuff? Just sanded it all down. And through the process of sanding it down, a happy accident kind of happened. The original stain on this red oak table, not an Ikea table of pressed hardwoods or softwoods, whatever they use in there, the whole bunch of glue. No, this table's 40, 50 years old, something like that. Maybe so far as 60 to 70, but red oak, not the absolute prettiest wood, especially back in the day when that seems to be all they made furniture out of. 
at least the cheaper end, before they discovered Ikea, hiking through the Swiss Alps, giant blue building with yellow letters, and horse-filled meatballs. But this red oak does a really good job when you sand it down, turns into just a kind of a bare color. But one of the tricks that I've learned for red oak is because along the grains, it's rather porous, extra porous for that matter. And so the trick is to use boiled linseed oil and wet dry sandpaper, a little bit of clear coat and a little bit of mineral oil, mineral spirits to thin out the liquid just a little bit. And you wet sand it. And as you wet sand, you fill in all of these pores and it really makes the grain pop really accentuates it. Well, through the process of removing the old brown stain, it was really heavily stained in certain spots, and as I'm wet sanding it, all these darker bits of grain, or sawdust, fill into the grain. And so instead of having a red oak colored grain pop out, you end up having these darker grains than would be normal appearing. And that's really the beauty, the trick of natural woods is the grains, because we all get that with the veneer that's put on top of all the pressed plywood that we get now. That's kind of my little trick as well with everything that I've been doing with the woodworking, is making sure that the grains pop. You see that natural color. You know that it's a solid chunk of wood. Because every little bit's different. Every little ebb and flow of the grain, how it evolves. And so I had an idea of my what the finished product would look like. But then I brought these tables and chairs home. And you can't disassemble the chairs as much as I'd like to. The glue inside them is still way too strong. Didn't want to risk breaking the chairs. So those had to stay a little bit more assembled than I preferred. So it makes getting into the corners and making the colors blend and the sanding marks not fade as easily. And so there was a lot of hand sanding, a lot of getting creative with pneumatic tools using pneumatic tools, auto shop tools to sand wood. Worked out well enough. Had to modify other tools and got it working, got everything sanded how it should be. Not as good as I wanted it to, but in the very end, it definitely turned out a lot better than I thought it was going to. All these little bits and corners. Chairs are already a naggy enough kind of bit on your average chair. But these chairs, they have extra grooves and chunks kind of taken out of them on purpose where someone kind of took a chisel and just kind of carved, gouged out, uneven, kind of triangular nooks and crannies. And so in the process of sanding everything down and wet sanding everything down, all the leftover sanded bits kind of got stuck in those crevices. I figured out too late after the first chair that I needed to go back and scrape those out with the rubber triangles that I was using to help me help me sand so going back and getting the the rough sand before I finally did the first coat of fully clear coat on those that was a chore but then everything else went smooth went quick enough and it's kind of almost nerve-wracking to sit there and look at your project and you're like I need to sand it I need to scuff it up but it's what you need to do in the process of painting need the paint need to give the paint something to adhere to and as it adheres to it it fills in all those little gaps and because it's straight clear makes it a nice smooth shiny surface and then you go back and you sand it again taking off all the extra bumps and impurities so that way when you put the next layer of clear coat on it's even smoother 
It's got those spots that it automatically fills in and no excessive bumps upwards. And so yesterday, spent five hours, longest solid chunk of time working on the table and chairs all at once. But I got the first clear coat down and looking at the difference between the sanded, the I'm going to call it a rough sand, even though it's still 220 grit. The rough sand right before the initial clear coat. And even before that sand, it's just a kind of a night and day difference in how dark it is or how light it is. What sections of the grain really start to pop. And it's not until you put on that clear coat, even though it's a warm semi-gloss. And when you put it on, it qualifies as a straight full gloss. So the light reflectivity is a little bit different, but it still looks phenomenal. And again, you get that home stretch feeling. You get that idea that you've done it well, you've done it right. And only the smallest of little impurities that you know exist will only be seen by your eyes because you're hypercritical. Or maybe my uncle, the customer, will see them, nitpick about them. I don't think so. Because I've seen this as something along the lines of an heirloom. It's just a table and chairs. I'm not getting paid heirloom prices to restain this table and chairs, make it all nice and pretty again. But this table and chairs has strong sentimental value to him. He came across this really sturdy table and chairs decades ago while shopping with my grandmother, and he got it secondhand. It already lived a, a good life, and then he l- lived with it, raised his kids around that table. And it's seen even more of a life. And he has every intention on keeping it for another couple decades. Sure sure has enough life left in it, that is for sure. And now with a fresh coat of paint on top of it, it'll at least look fantastic for the next decade until the his grandchildren start coming over, using their crayons on it, markers, sharpies, whatever the, the kids of today are doing, smacking their tablets on it. Maybe that's a good reason for it tablets over color and books (laughs) but it's a piece of art it's a piece of work it's a point of pride point of respect both for the material that I'm working with and who it is supposed to represent both my grandmother and my uncle and whoever gets to inherit this table after him again because it's built well enough it's not an Ikea piece of furniture it'll last quite some time And it's going to be extra unique because even if it was along the lines of mass-produced, sold at a store, none of them are going to look the same as this one. And so in the odd event, again, that I accept the challenge of a table and chair refinish, obviously depending on whether or not it's painted or stained to begin with, determines my course of action for removing it. But the knowledge that a little bit of extra sandpaper a little bit of extra time yields a significantly different result than if I were to use chemicals to remove all of the existing color. Or maybe I would have received different styles of blotches and still would have had to sand the heck out of it, remove pretty much all of the color. But then maybe instead of using an, an attempted natural style finish, I actually would have used a colored stain finish, create something new or recreate it essentially. But it's all in the preparation. It's all in the groundwork. As much as that final product, we know what we want. We know what we're trying to achieve. Sometimes, again, it's a happy accident that we come across this point. 
Or sometimes we just dive in head first, not knowing what we're doing, signing up for a bigger project. But again, that light, that shininess there at the end of the tunnel, knowing that we're home in the home stretch and we can see all the hard work that we've done is coming around. It's not champagne celebration time just yet, but we know that we're on the right path and we've made some of the better decisions. So are you going to go out, get yourself a table and chairs, spend too much time sanding it? Are you going to sign up for a project, not knowing how many hours are going into it? Are you going to half-ass it all the way through, or are you gonna actually going to try and create something for the next generation, a new form of inheritance? No pressure, either way. It's all just an experiment, this whole thing we call life. And we're all going to figure it out together. And I'm Billy Bones. B-I-L-L-Y-B-O-N, the number three S. You find me on Twitter, at Billy Bones. You find me on Mastodon, the Fettyverse, at Billy Bones, at noauthority.social. If you don't have the social meds, go to the website, billybones.com. There you'll find a link to show notes, done today. You'll find links to past episodes. You'll find links to... SoundCloud, again the email if you need email get in contact with me and there's also a link that says value for value because I release this show free of charge, no advertisers no paywalls, no one telling me what I can or cannot say to determine my paycheck no, I rely on you I put this out in hopes that you find value out of it be it the single episode or the entire catalog and if you did, fantastic, thank you, I'm glad you did The first thing that I ask that you do is you give this show a share. Maybe someone else finds a talking point, gets the gears turning, finds that reason to, again, buy that table or completely pass on the table. Forget all the chemicals. I'm just going to go buy a new one. Invest in Ikea. But if you think that this show is worth a monetary amount of value, beat that Federal Reserve Freedom Units, better known as the U.S. dollar, or Satoshi's teeny tiny bits of Bitcoin, I accept both. Like today's two executive producers have sent in. Oh, yeah. By going to the website, billybones.com, scrolling all the way down, clicking that value for value button, and clicking it takes you to PayPal. Like No Beret, who sent in $5, who says, follow no underscore beret on x.com for pointy chicks and hot boat parts. How to videos coming soon. He's going to go work on cars, not tables and chairs. There's a good reason to go follow him. Or if you're using a modern podcast app, one that uh, accept, lets you send in some Satoshis, like the other executive producer today, Weirdo coming in again, streaming in a whole nine, nine Satoshis a minute. I'm going to learn how to talk one of these days. And also send a 3,166 Satoshi boost saying, thank you for your courage, Billy Bones. Thank you for your courage, Weirdo. You, sir. Both of you gentlemen. Awesome. Awesome people. And thank you, everybody else, for listening, tuning in, sitting in, listening along, finding at least a talking point, maybe a shallow point of inspiration. But I love you guys, and I will talk to you next week. <laughs>